makes me think of is that that Twitter post that comes around about this time of year. It's like the North. It's that time of year where the North hates the Metro, the Metro hates private schools, and everyone hates Edina. Pretty much. <laughs> Can this is the Sound the Foghorn podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, joined as always by my co-host Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki, and also a special guest on the show today from the Soda Pod, uh, making his return to the show. Uh, we have the State of Hoppy. Uh, so, guys, welcome to the show. Let's check in with everyone. Zeke, we'll go to you first. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing very good. Uh, you know, wild on a three-game win streak. Uh, a lot of college and high school hockey here now, and coming up uh, next week. So, a lot of you know, hockey to watch and just, yeah, just happy to be here again talking to you guys. Yeah, definitely a great time of year for uh, for hockey fans, no doubt. Justin, how are you doing today? Good. It's my short week. Had the day off with the kids, watch UMD Annihilate Michigan. No, just kidding. <laughs> that situation sucks, but no, doing good and uh, ready to talk about this streak and talk with Hoppy and uh, yeah, Hoppy. a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. Hoppy, welcome in. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, how you doing? And then uh, talk about what's uh, hanging behind you, too. We don't have video, but uh, maybe just describe what's uh, hanging behind you there, too. Yeah, well, first, thank you. That's the first time I've been referred to as a special guest. I <laughs> definitely should throw a shout-out, too, to the 17 guys that said no before <laughs> you came to me to come on. But fun to be here again. Um, yeah, so behind me, I have the beautiful candy cane jersey for Rossi from the Ottawa 67s. Um and I was telling you guys beforehand, interesting story to obtain it. Told my wife I wanted it for Christmas, and she was all on board. Short sight on my part in maybe not thoroughly checking out the website. Um, ended up definitely being an overseas site that, let's just say the emails that came through initially for tracking were definitely symbols, not letters. And... Uh, we were almost to the point of reaching out and complaining that it hadn't shown up. And then one day a package arrives and it is a, I think it was a medium Cassius Winston, Michigan state basketball Jersey. <laughs> and Winston, we're just, Marco Rossi, Michigan, Ottawa. It's all the same. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to find even one parallel here and I can't. So we reach out and it's like, Hey, so we ordered a hockey jersey of this size, of this player, this number. Like, 
none of this makes sense. Uh, so what are we going to do here? And they reply, they're like, okay, you keep Jersey, we give some refund? Like, <laughs> no, that's not okay. <laughs> then it uh, comes through and they're like, okay, you send back Jersey, we give you $15? I'm like, no, still not sufficient. And so then we go through the process of like getting it canceled through our credit card as fraud. Like, okay, bing, bang, done. And then a day later, the Rossi jersey showed up. <laughs> I, I don't know if they like sent us two jerseys by mistake. And as I requested that my actually jersey be sent, they weren't aware that it was in transit. I, I don't know what happened. But at the end of the day, I got a free Marco Rossi jersey and then obviously used those extra funds to uh, purchase the subsequent Kalen Addison jersey. So I think I'm set for a while on wild yeah. jerseys. So even if I'm not like fully indoctrinated as a fan yet, that's got to at least buy me some goodwill. And then you'll have to get another Kalen Addison jersey when he's a full-time player and switches to number two. No, I'm going to keep the OG 59. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're also indoctrinated to Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State basketball. I've watched all of, I don't know, how many times have they made it to the championship game? That's about as many times as I've seen them play. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of jerseys, I finally pulled the trigger. Um, I went down to the hockey lodge yesterday just to, to feel something. Um and while in there, decided, you know what, this Kirill Kaprizov guy is pretty good, uh, and I bought a Kaprizov jersey. So reverse retro, they didn't have it in stock, so they have to make it. Should be done in a week and a half, um, which is just before my birthday, April 12th, which is also the trade deadline, which will also be the day I return to XL Energy Center to watch a wild game in person. Um, friends of the season ticket holder, so pretty stoked for that. Um, doesn't feel real, but... Uh, a little bit of good news. So we're talking Rossi and Kaprizov. It's, you know it's always going to be good when a show starts off mm-hmm. uh, with with those two. Um, but Justin, we'll kick it over to you. We've had our, already a few uh, wild prospects in action today and throughout last week. Uh, we'll kick it over to you for the prospect uh, update here before we get into uh, a whole bunch of different kinds of uh, hockey leagues here for the rest of the show. Floor All right. As we, yeah, as we know, the WHL season has started. Adam Beckman has put up four points in three games. You know, nothing new there. He's peppered the net with 24 shots on goal already in the three games, so averaging eight shots a, a game right Is now. That good? That seems good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it seems all right. And Damon Hunt for uh, Moose Jaw has put up six points in seven games. He had a, a three-point night the other night. All were power play points, so there's our power play specialist coming up. Power play points. What are, yeah. what are, what are those? Not familiar. I don't know. <laughs> Hard to come by. <laughs> um. Andre Spelikov, he's not putting up very many points, but his team's Cheska's series is tied two to two. He's doing good on the faceoff drive, but beyond that, he's not putting up a whole lot of points. And then Simon Johansson, he's playing in a lesser league of the Swedish Hockey League, and he's put up two points in their two playoff games. Series is tied at one. And then, as we all know, the Frozen Four tournament has begun. We have five Minnesota D1 teams in it and seven prospects pretty good and not a single one of them has lost yet exactly boston <laughs> college they advanced due to uh Notre dame uh going into covid protocol and umd did the same thing with michigan so swaney and then the bc wild are all advanced uh philip Lindbergh just allowed one goal against uh brain fart brain fart uh lakes pier state <laughs> so <laughs> They move on to the last eight teams. He's 8-1-4 and four this season, and in eight of those games, he allowed one goal or less, so he's having a pretty good season. 
Yeah, I just wanted to point out that Cole Fraudfield um, lost to a four seed, <laughs> and Matt Boldy did not lose to a four seed. So, just, just thought we should get that out there. I and if you're not aware, pondering. if you're not aware, that that's full sarcasm, as we've addressed many times on this show. I'm very, very aware. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> All right, Justin, thanks for the prospect update. Uh, we're going to continue. Uh, we'll start with amateur hockey. It's usually a lot of wild talk today, but we're going to talk about some college pucks. So as we just talked about, um, there has been two um, no contests. Uh, both Michigan and Notre Dame uh, had to leave due to COVID protocols, which just sucks for those teams. Um, just stinks. They get that far and just uh, pack it up, go home. and So free wins for uh, Duluth as well as Boston College. So good on a morale level for teams that we're rooting for but it sucks for the rest but um and then today there have already been i believe we're in the process of our third game of the day uh the first one um the badgers uh choked against the beavers who dominated them six to three uh and then uh as justin just said umass lowell took down or not lowell excuse me just umass uh, took down lakes pier state three to one and then unfortunately uh dousing all the fire that we had kicked up today uh, North Dakota is kicking the crap out of AIC 4-0 uh, that game is in the first intermission uh, gentlemen let's just get to um, let's start with you know the, the really cool thing I know Hoppy you guys talked about this a little bit on the Soda Pod this week but five Minnesota teams uh, for the first time in NCAA history in the, in, in the NCAA which is pretty freaking cool yeah, and they did it just in time, huh? Last chance. We got St. Thomas joining next year, so that's going to be an even taller task moving forward to get every team in. Yeah, we're going to have to get all six in next year. I don't, I don't, yeah, tall task that'll be, but that's pretty awesome. First time in history that this has happened. So, you know. and, I, and I would say that uh, we should take some credit for it because of uh, Brett's uh, bracket for the podcast that he made. We had basically all those teams advancing and winning, so. Yep. You know, I don't know if that's just a coincidence either. Yep. <laughs> we still have a chance for an all-Minnesota Frozen Four, don't we? Yep. I think so, yeah. As it sits. And I am including the BC Wild as an honorary sixth Minnesota team. Because <laughs> um, if they were to knock, I think they would have to knock, they could knock off. If St. Cloud wins, I think it'd be BC St. Cloud. So. Mm-hmm. And if Minnesota Mankato win, we, it's pretty much like it's it's we're looking at like a best case scenario with either of those two. So, yeah, an all Minnesota Final Four would be pretty cool if it's end up being you know Boston College in there, or you know if it's a team like Lowell. As long as they're for me, as long as it's Minnesota team or a team with wild prospects, you get that have a you know you get a good rooting interest. That's that's mm-hmm. good for me. So off to a pretty good start as well. But this North Dakota team could, uh, could put some yeah. uh, could Not make this tricky. Please. Uh, UMD is going to have to take care of them next round, it looks like. Knock on wood. We believe in you, Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Done it before. Many yeah, times. You can't uh, really uh, bet against the Sandlin team. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but he's usually got them pretty ready to go. Yeah, there's a Sandlin yeah. on Mankato, too. So maybe he's, I was waiting he'll bring for that. Some I was that. Waiting. Maybe he'll bring yeah. some of that magic to Mankato, who, like many Minnesota sports teams, just like to choke in the first round. But... We'll see what happens tomorrow. Well, I mean, don't feel too bad. I think St. Cloud is in the same spot with choking in the first round. Yeah, pretty they're much pretty every good year, right? too. I mean, yeah. boys, the, the reality, though, Minnesota Gophers, they're the only ones that are on the hot seat because it's always when they come in with a one seed for their region that these teams mm-hmm. are getting upset. So I think St. Cloud and Mankato are getting the pass. Gophers might be uh, 
might be in one here. Yeah, that's yeah. it's possible. Um, Minnesota. Has, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say Omaha is definitely not an easy uh, easy matchup. I know they're they're what, what maybe a four seed, but they they mm-hmm. played UMD pretty hard this year in the NCHC and had some pretty tough competition. So, you know, this time of year anything can happen. You saw with Bemidji State, so you know. You uh, the golfers better bring their A game because Omaha can mm-hmm. play some pretty good puck. And I will and I will say the thing about or as you guys like to call them the goofers uh, in the Twitter group chat. But no, I think generally uh, for them, I just think they have to stay, play like their game. Like I don't think they can get caught off because I don't know particularly like you know with play. I know it may be overrated and they were still good this year, but playing on the big ice sheet and all this, I don't know if they're necessarily all the time. Uh, fit to play the tight physical game like you know if they get caught against a team like Bemidji did or like Wisconsin did today who kind of shuts them down like you know I don't know if they if you know if they eliminate the skill guys up front there I don't you know that's the only thing I uh you know I kind of question about them but uh and the, but you know they got the great goalie in that too so that is the big part when they have a hell of a team they have a lot of good players I mean I don't pay too close like probably like Hoppy you're a golfers fan aren't you yeah unfortunately yeah. it's been right. rough yeah, we, we no, like, well, and I don't want people to mistake us for an anti-gopher podcast. We're just a pro no. demon. Oh no! I, for the gopher, hey, don't make me anti anything else either. I'm taking gophers over any other Minnesota team, yeah. but like at the end of the day, like no chance that I'm cheering for North Dakota over no. correct Duluth. Like no, yeah. No Until way. they run into the gophers, I'm cheering for the other Minnesota teams. No <laughs> doubt. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and Zeke, you brought up Wisconsin, you know, running into a little bit of trouble today against Bemidji State because of the hard checking. And honestly, it, it's kind of what makes the WCHA different. The WCHA to me is always reminding me kind of the, the the old Pacific Division, kind of when, you know, San Jose mm-hmm. was kind of a powerhouse in L.A. where, you know, it's maybe not as much skill, but it's guys who just literally just pound you into the ground with physical physical play, solid goaltending. Um, Bemidji State, Mankato, I believe, has four losses this year. I believe three of them are to Bemidji State, or for sure two of them. Mm. Um, and then one in the uh, in conference play to Western Michigan, and then there was one other one, um, I think, to Bowling Green. I think they split a series with them. But So, like, Bemidji State, to me, like, I, I'm not shocked because I watched them, you know, play Mankato mm. hard. And for me, the issue with Wisconsin, um, they just rely heavily on Cole Caulfield. He had two, two of their goals, and then I believe a – a primary assist and when he wasn't on the ice they just weren't effective and their goaltender the last two games in the big 10 championship and first of nca gave up 10 goals um yeah. or was it did he get four or five? i don't know if he gave up five or four today but either nine or ten just yeah mm-hmm. and zeke like you said is well, gonna, that, yeah go ahead well no i said that the that fourth one that when he comes out of the net that's just that's brutal that's why that's killer i know people have different opinions but i just just hate when they come way out of the net and they the goalies stay out for more than like two seconds. It's like, dude, just rim the puck up the boards. Don't, just don't mess around. Like, it's, I mean, I don't care. It's Wisconsin, so but yeah, just, well, that ended yeah. up being the game-winning goal too. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, yeah and it was. It's just a at the time it just felt like a dagger too because Wisconsin felt like they're claw, clawing back. It was three to one. The goal it was shorthanded too, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when this happened, he goes to play a puck, whether on a power yeah, right. play. Throws it behind, Bemidji stuffs it off, so it's 4-1. And it was mm-hmm. just all – there was no chance of them yeah. coming back uh, to the pleasure of mm-hmm. pretty much every Minnesotan everywhere. Yeah, and uh, you on Twitter to do, today too, Brett, were uh, kind of on fire with some of the anti-Wisconsin tweets. Yeah, <laughs> the badgers. 
No. Gone, gone Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> if you ever need a good pun, I'm your, I'm your guy. I'm not good like on the spot, but just like situationally, I can. I I got mm-hmm. puns. There. Mm-hmm. You need time to think about it. Yeah, like people are like, oh, tell me a pun about this. I'm like, ah, it's not in the moment, but like in the moment, I'll I'll catch you with some of the best puns you ever heard. Yeah. Come on, funny guy, say something funny. <laughs> yeah. Right. Give me a second. <laughs> So Hoppy, you're you're the gopher guy here. We we've talked quite a bit about Mankato and Duluth. So give us kind of an insight. What are the gopher strengths? Obviously we know uh the goaltender there pretty dang good. Uh they've got some pretty strong forwards. Uh Sampo Ranta, I believe, has kind of been leading the way for them this year. And right, is that his name? Sampo Ranta? Did I get that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't sound right when it came out of my mouth. I'm like, I think that's the guy. But <laughs> just just kind of give us a preview of what the gophers bring and, and what you think kind of their key to to making a run here is. Man, and the, to your point, that name, it does not sound right rolling off the tongue, but, oh, has it become such a great name? Coming into the year, if you asked me, you could have given me all the odds in the world that Sampo Ranta would lead the team in points, and I would have laughed at you. This guy has been a godsend for the team. He's been incredible and speaks really to the team not having really any like top-end elite talent in my mind outside of Walker but they're just a really deep, balanced team that comes at you in waves. The top three lines for sure, but even the fourth line is contributing. So it's different from Gophers teams past where you've got the top two lines are all past Mr. Hockey winners and like they just try and outskill you and then they get their asses kicked physically. I think they've got a deep lineup. I think they've got the physicality to play. It just, you know, as I think Justin mentioned earlier, that doesn't always show up. But the big difference for this team, I mean, there's been a few occasions, but in recent years, especially since Motsko came in and finally got his guys, the blue line is just transformed. This is an elite blue line across the board. And I think that's a big piece in what they're doing, not just defensively, but it's really how you move the puck up the ice, just like the wild, right? Like we're not looking at the wild largely as a team that's like great shutdown defenseman. It's the way they move the puck. It's the way they can skate. It's the way they can get forwards moving up ice. Yeah, look at the and I think that makes too. a huge difference. Hmm. Yeah, it really does. I think that's the future of hockey. Honestly, is you know it's not so much you know as, as great as a guy like you know Ian Cole is, who's kind of that you know that stay at home shutdown defenseman. You look at teams like Colorado, who've got you know Makar and Gerard and just these these mm-hmm. mobile you know a guy like Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, these mobile defensemen who are solid defensively but can just get things going the other way with good passing, but also with just good skating. And I I do think that's you know a, a trend we'll see. I think at all levels moving forward is. Who's got the mobile defenseman? I think that that's going to be a, a real commodity for all types of ho- mm-hmm. um, higher level hockey moving forward. So a, a really good uh, observation there with with the Gophers. I believe two of them were on the uh, the gold medal uh, national team for the World Juniors. Was it one? I so I think there was three, but I think three. only one really got play. Yeah. But I I know there were at least three there for the initial trials, and I thought all three stuck, but I I do think mm-hmm. it was only one of them that got real play. But Man, that goes back to where we'll, we'll get dialed back in in a second, but I'm the moron that said Michigan was going to make it to the championship game, and holy crap was that team a wagon. Like, obviously a bummer mm-hmm. for any team that has mm-hmm. to get shut down, them and Notre Dame, but this is a team that I think was getting so overlooked. I think they were the best yeah. team in the Big Ten this year, and, I mean, if nothing else, those beautiful cream jerseys that they put on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and just I kind of – Yeah, go ahead, Justin. Well, 
I was say I was honestly worried when UMD got mashed up with Michigan because there's, I mean, we may have experience over them in the tournament, but they got so much skill and so many mm-hmm. possible first rounders in this coming draft. And I was just mm-hmm. like, well, shit, either we gotta play our best to beat these guys. Like, I was like, this is one of the matchups I didn't want in the first round, and you know, lo and behold, what happened happened, and you never want to see that happen. But I was nervous about it, honestly. Yeah, I mean. Well, like you guys said it to me, they had guys like uh, Veneers, Owen Power, uh, you know. Uh, Kent Johnson. Who was the other guy? Yeah, and then I also had uh, uh, Thomas Bordalo and a couple other draft picks. But, uh, you know, they, so obviously they were a very high-skilled team. But, uh, you know, my only issue with Michigan or teams like Ohio State and Notre Dame, who also coincidentally got out, this is a little bit different, but don't wear football helmets as hockey helmets. It looks silly. <laughs> like, I just, ugh, I don't know why. It bothers me. And then, hey, Vegas right, Golden Knights, quit wearing college oh, hockey God. helmets that imitate college that, that's, football That's another level. Of <laughs> another level. Yuck. Another rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, Zeke, Justin, we talked a little Gophers. Let's quick, quickly talk uh, a UMD. Um, so they got basically got a first-round buy. It looks like they're likely going to get North Dakota. You know, our, you know, I don't think it's really arguable at this point. Probably the number one team in the country right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, coming in off some, you know, uh, a conference championship, um, and then it looks look what's looking like a convincing win here in the first round. Um, in the same conference, you've seen him before uh, this year. What do you think UMD's key is to kind of maybe moving on and, and giving us that hope of an all Minnesota uh, Frozen Four? Uh, I think we're gonna need good goaltending and, and good defense. Mm-hmm. Our years past championship teams have had really good defense, deep, you know. Prunovich and and Sandberg and Wolf and all those guys and all all of them are gone. So we kind of got, I'd say we're weaker on D than we have been in the past. And of course Hunter Shepard is gone. We've we've gotten good play out of Fanti and uh, Stage Skull, but they're mm-hmm. they're not Hunter Shepard. But yeah, I think that's the key because North Dakota's got skill up the rear. I mean they're a quick team. They can strike quick. I mean obviously they're blowing out AIC, but we played them pretty tough this year. We've beaten them at least once, but they, they, they're just they're a hell of a team. Like you said, they're maybe arguably the number one team in the country. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you, you, like Justin just said, uh, with, you know, the defense in years past, they said not only were they, you know, good defensively and physical, but I think they drove a lot of their offense too. And I just think from what I've watched this year, uh, it's just – it seems like they struggle to score at times. Like they don't have – I mean, there's a couple guys like uh, Nick Sweeney and the Cates brothers who are talented players as well as Cole Kepke who's, you know, a really fast skater. But, uh, you know, I just – like like Justin said, they just need to play uh, really good goaltending and get a, get a bunch, of, bunch of good stops because, I like I said, I don't know if the offensive, uh, you know, ability is really there. Not that they have – ever been even when they were winning championships like a high-powered offensive team from that standpoint but uh no it's pretty much justin said uh, they got to win two to one game three two just something like that uh and you know obviously they've done it before but yeah no it's it's gonna be they just have to shut, shut them down defensively yeah and i'll go last year uh with uh my man kato mavericks i think the obvious key to their victory is dryden mccabe playing like he did in every game except the uh, quarterfinals of the WCHA tournament, which we're letting mm. that one slide as was pretty much one bad game he had all year. Um, you know, he was a finalist for the Richter Award, and, you know, all, all due respect to Jack LaFontaine, I think, and I forget, I even forget who the other finalist was, but Dryden McKay, I think, has far and away been the best goalie in college hockey this year. 
Um, he just doesn't. I think he's got some. I think he's got six or seven shutouts and like some crazy number this year. His he's just doing everything right, um, beating good teams in the WCHA, and and their their success will will, will go through him. Um, as I mentioned before, the WCHA kind of plays the old Pacific Division style. They don't really have, you know, they don't have, I think they have one NHL-drafted player on their team. Mankato historically has been a team that really doesn't draft young, or not draft, excuse me, recruit young players. They take kids that play in the USHL, usually their freshmen are 20, 21 mm-hmm. years old. They play with an older team. They play physical. They play fast. And I think their key is going to be just do what they've done the best all year, and that's just control the puck. I think they've allowed, like, fewer than 20 shots and like, like 75% of their games mm-hmm. this year. Like, they just don't allow a lot of shots. Um, and I think that's going to be their key is just to, to control the puck. And, and when you when you don't have it, let McKay do his job. I think that can be their key to success. But I think if if both Mankato and Minnesota make it out to the second round, that'll be a really fun game because I think it's two teams that play a really different style of hockey that can make for a really interesting round. Yeah. Um, and then there's St. Cloud, which, I don't know, none of us really have too much insight into. But uh, <laughs> just don't let us down, St. Cloud. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got the NCHC pass, so I got to watch them quite a bit this year. They're actually a pretty quick team and get decent goaltending out of Rennick, but I think they'll they'll need to play a speed game and, you know, play their – obviously, this is just play their game to win, you know. They're, they're just they, – they played UMD really tough this year too, so. I mean that's about all I got on them because I didn't watch a ton of their games, but the games when they played UMD, I, I, you know they they played us hard and they beat us quite a bit. Well, man, and they're a team that just like even more so than Duluth, and this isn't a shot at either team, but like very Jekyll and Hyde teams this year, right? Like there were times mm-hmm. where you thought Duluth was set. There's other times yeah. where it's like shit, should they even be ranked? Right. Saint Cloud even more so. Like there were games where I'm like mm-hmm. they might be the best team in the country, and then the next game they'd come out and I'm like. Oh my God, they're terrible, and I just don't know what their identity is. I don't know how they're going to come into this game. I agree, like they have the speed, they have a lot of the pieces. It's a deep team, but like, I just don't know which St. Cloud team is going to show up. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting to to see. Uh, who do they have in their opening game? Uh, I think it's BU. B- yeah, Boston. BU. Who has, I believe they did take down Boston College once this year, so we know they can beat you know, those top-tier teams too. So we'll, uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, just hope, open for the best for Minnesota teams, and then uh, you know once they all advance, then for there you can start to play your favorites. But we hope in the first round you're just putting on your Minnesota cap and rooting for the success for the state and then rooting against the rivals like North Dakota, Wisconsin. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> of course, for those teams that got the wild prospects as well as uh, we've been doing here uh on the show. Well, there's another tournament uh, that's going to be firing up this week. Um, Hoppy, I know you talked about this in the Soda Pod too, a tradition of going to games on Fridays. That was my tradition as well. It sucks that just, you know, you can't feel mm-hmm. the X. That's it, It's one of the best atmospheres for hockey you'll ever go to is, is a state hockey tournament in Minnesota. So much fun. Uh, but we can't watch it, but uh, we for sure can talk about it. So all of these section games are done. The field is set. We'll start in Class A here. Um, according to the tweets you guys sent over, here are the pairings. We have Northern Lakes, which is a combo school of Pequot Lakes and someone else I don't even know. Uh, Gentry Academy, which is like an online private school. So some that's interesting first-round matchup there. Uh, Litchfield, Dassel, Cocado against East Grand Forks. Dodge County against Hermantown. Good God. Um, and then uh, Delano. It's gonna be a massacre. <laughs> Sorry. And then oh no, it's going to be. And then Delano uh, versus Little Falls. So, 
any takeaways from this? I haven't really followed high school mm-hmm. hockey nearly close enough this year. Um, ever since the follow the puck changed to a new owner, I just my ho- my high school hockey coverage has kind of poo pooed. Um, but just is, is there a team you like? Other, I mean, obviously it's probably Hermantown, but right. Uh, I, I mean, can I oh, go ahead? You go ahead, Hoppy. I'll let you go. I mean, I was just gonna say I I don't usually like get in Twitter fights. I usually just kind of sit back and watch <laughs> things burn. But occasionally, I just like get in that mood where I'm like, Nah, yeah. I'm gonna fight somebody today. <laughs> and like, explain to me, do do the regular season rankings for single A and double A just not matter? Do they mean nothing? Because mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can have Gentry Academy be the number one team coming into sections, then they massacre the number four team to get in, and get the two seed when Hermantown was the number two and they beat the 10 in their championship to get in and somehow they jumped them for the one. It's not yeah. even to say that Hermantown's not the better team. Like, I haven't watched either team enough to say. It's just like, mm-hmm. what, what's the point of the regular season rankings if we're going to make Hermantown the number one seed? If I recall, isn't it the coaches of the final eight teams that pick the seed? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I mean, throughout the year, I don't, I know, I think it's usually let's play hockey. I don't know what their panel consists mm-hmm. of, but... Yeah, it is an interesting. Yeah. It is very interesting that that happened that way. But mm-hmm. I mean, for me, seating's great and all. I mean, for the first round, I, I can kind of see it. But mm-hmm. in Class A, if you're a top three seed, you're pretty much yeah. gonna win your game eight to nothing or worse. Yeah. And then I if will. Yeah. And if you're yeah. the four or five, it'll be a close game. But everything else is a slaughter. Yeah. It's, and yeah. it's always the late game, right? Like, why does that have mm-hmm. to be the late game? Right. I'm always yeah. up until like eleven at night because the one game I want to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. They know how to yeah. get me. I will yeah, I'm, say, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed we can't go to the games this year. This is probably one of those years where I take my oldest kid, and he'd probably sit for a game. But you know, next year is another year. But kind of talking about single A, the only team I really paid attention to out of all of them is Hermantown. I'm a Duluth boy. I mean, they're right next to Duluth, and they have plenty of you know UMD. I run a UMD pipeline page too and we have one of their players joey pierce and hermantown just they smacked everyone around this year they even beat my alma mater duluth east and just they have uh Derek plant's son zam plant on the team too so they're they're i mean they're gonna be hard to beat <laughs> they, they, well, they justin you're, you're you're a duluth guy yeah so yeah. tell me like does it do you just love raking in all of these like deep runs in single A, or are you of the mind that they need to go double A because they're wasting everyone's time? Honestly, I can see both sides. They're a small ass school. And, There's no sides. Move up. So so is Rozo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but <clears throat> I mean, either way, I can see both sides because growing up playing, we always played Hermantown, and you know they play double A teams, and I, I can certainly see the argument for moving up. They've been smacking teams around for a few years now but uh you know i mean it's their choice to move up too i mean i don't really have an argument against why they shouldn't but i mean very diplomatic yeah i mean it's kind of hard for multiple reasons but like the thing that's always funny about me is uh i my dad's from duluth uh so i have a lot of family up there and uh one of my uncles and my cousins they went to school there and all that so uh then they always come down for the tournament and pretty much every year tournament town is in it and uh it's just i just like watching their games because half the time it'll be they'll be down there was one year they're down five two they scored got scored on late in the second down by three and it's like i'm looking over and these people are looking all shocked and exasperated it's like don't worry they'll come back 
you know, sure enough, they score like five goals the next period. And uh, so, no, they're obviously really good. But the only thing I will say is uh, just kind of of note about their opponent in the Dodge County boys team. They have a player, I think his name is uh, Brody Lamb, who has led the state in goals the last two years, has like 88 goals the past two seasons. So he is, you know, maybe a, a potential guy in that game. But, uh, yeah, pretty much. It's like the reincarnation the of Joey Bennick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Don't bring that name up. <laughs> Just like this small town. I mean, I always take mm-hmm. those, like, those northern schools and southern schools because a lot of their games yeah. are, like, 9 to 7. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, I try to read those. But, I mean, regardless, I mean, you're still still you're still you're scoring tons of goals. Um, mm-hmm. I still revel in the facts. So when I was in my senior year of high school was um, kind of right before all teams, kind of high school teams really – like dove head first into like hockey hub and Twitter accounts and stuff. And uh, my best friend from high school was our team manager. Um, he couldn't play cause of concussions. So he tracked like every trackable stat. And we were one of the two teams in the state that track faceoff percentage. So I'd always uh, brag. I was second in the state in my senior year in faceoff percentage. <laughs> I think there was one other guy on my team that had a higher percentage than me, but I always brag. Uh, that was my claim to fame my senior year. I was second in the state in faceoff percentage. So cause we tracked it. But, nice. Yeah, uh, to give my two cents quick on Hermantown, for me, like, I get why they're in A, like their school size or whatever, but don't play a double-A schedule all year then. And especially when Plant was the coach, he complained about St. Thomas not moving up, and that's just the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> the argument is the same for both teams. You kick everyone's ass. Mm-hmm. You can stay down because you're a small school, but just move up. Yeah, how's that fun? I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. With with that though, I will say every private school should be bumped up to double A too because that's horseshit. We should just put them mm-hmm. in their own state yeah. tournament and they can just go watch themselves play because no one really cares. Yeah, but then <laughs> one of them can one of them has to win. <laughs> the, the worst state championship games are when it's like Edina versus Benilde or someone like it's when yeah, it's yeah. like it's Edina mm-hmm. or like some other cake eater city against a private school. You're like, great, this is like rooting for. Blackhawks and the Avalanche in a playoff series. Like, right. Fantastic. I'll take the Avalanche on the record if it's those two. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even know. The Blues now maybe. I don't know. Vegas. No, yeah. But, yeah. You know what this makes me think of is that, that Twitter post that comes around about this time of year. It's like the North – it's that time of year where the North hates the Metro, the Metro hates private schools, and everyone hates Edina. Pretty much. <laughs> Can confirm. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of Edina, we don't have to worry about them in the state tournament yeah. this year because they didn't make it. So there's a that's a mm-hmm. that's already a win for the whole state right there. Um, if you're from Edina and you're listening, not sorry. Um, <laughs> so here is uh, here are the first round matchups for the boys Double uh, A. We have uh, this one's this is going to be an excellent tournament. Lots of talent in this one as always. Mm-hmm. We have Wyzetta against Hill Murray, mm-hmm. Moorhead against Lakeville South, St. Thomas against Eden Prairie. And then Andover versus Maple Grove. Uh, Zeke, we'll go to you first because I know you have some uh, pretty heated opinions on uh, Maple Grove yeah. ending up as the four seed, which maybe could correlate with Hoppy's questioning of to how you can basically mm-hmm. be the top team all year and then get to state tournament and your seed drops. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, first of all, obviously I'm a little biased. I went to school there just like a year ago. So, you know, uh, there's a little bit of that there. So take that with a grain of salt. But no, like Hoppy was saying with the seeding, uh, you know, they were ranked first all year. Now, to be fair, in a way, normally they'd be playing a lot more of the top teams the regular season, but, you know, they only had to play in conference, which is a lot of, you know, Rogers, Osseo, Centennial, 
you know, Champlain Park, some a few other teams, and Andover, who is they're obviously going to play. But, you know, they were ranked number one all year until their game against Lakeville South, which was a close 4-3 game that they lost. Uh, you know, could have gone either way. And so I can understand them not being ranked number one anymore. And if I remember right, the last uh, Let's Play Hockey rankings before the, the, the end of the playoffs, they were ranked uh, number two. But, you know, like like we were talking about earlier at the season, like, it just doesn't make sense how they go from what top, you know, one of the best teams in the state the whole year to down to four. And then they have, I think it was Eden Prairie, Hill Murray, and uh, Lakeville South in yeah. front. And, you know, okay, I get Hill Murray's the defending champ, whatever, all that, that's fine. But, uh Again, I, I don't I just don't get how they go from from being the best team most of the year to winning to losing one game. And I mean, you look at their stats; they averaged eight point eight one goals a game. Uh, they averaged uh, one point three eight goals against per game. Outscored teams one hundred eighty five to twenty nine. Again, not, not not great competition, but still, like if you if you kick their asses enough, like that's got to count for something, no matter right. who you're playing. And uh, I just you know again, this is the bias part, but. With having to play Andover again, I just you think it's. I mean, again, if you're going to be the best, you got to beat the best, I guess. But for me personally, it's like that's kind of hard to beat a team a third time in the same year, especially when you get to that uh, tournament, uh, which is always a big deal, even with you know, even with not the big crowds and all that. Uh, it may be that kind of effect is worn off a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, that's just my uh, you know bias frustration uh, with the seeding of the tournament, but. Uh, It'll be a good. Those will be good games, no matter what. Like you said earlier, so. Yeah, uh, sh- should be should be great games as as the double A tournament always is. Um, lots of firepower. Uh, Hoppy or, or uh, Justin, anything to add about uh, the double A bracket at all? No, just a lot of the usual suspects. A lot of big school names, so it'll be fun to watch. I'll be. Now that I'm in Maple Grove, my son kind of is in the Maple Grove Hockey Association next year when he starts. I'll kind of be keeping a close eye on them. But, no, not really a whole lot to add. I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the AA outside of Duluth East, which was sad this year. But, anyways, um, yeah, not much to add. Yeah, going to a school that just really doesn't make it to tournaments and mound, uh, I've had to latch on to different teams for happiness, which my single-A team has been dog shit for a while now, so that's irrelevant. But – I'm all in. I'm a Moorhead Spuds guy. Love the jerseys. Love the team name. And I love Matt Cullen. So they got a tough <laughs> draw go. with Lakeville South, but I'm I'm riding with them as long as they're in it. It's always fun to watch the underdogs kind of. You always mm-hmm. want to root on the underdogs unless they're playing like an alma mater school or something. Yeah, and I, I apologize I don't have the brackets in front of me here, but uh, the girls high school hockey tournament uh, also underway right now as well. So good luck. Uh, to all of those teams as well. I tried to find a bracket quick, but I couldn't, and I don't want to Mound waste. is in that tournament. My brother actually coaches them. There we, there. I, think, there we go. I think they're actually underway right now. Yeah, there was some games are underway. I think there was a couple. They're sports. playing against Chisago, which I know he told me that Chisago beat them 3-2 during the season, but uh, it sounded like it was a team that like had one dominant line, just like better mm-hmm. than everyone else on the team, but then the rest of Mound was leagues better than the rest of Chisago, so... Could be an interesting tilt. We'll see. Yeah. Well, for Hoppy, go mound. Yeah. Hey, go mound. <laughs> Looks like there's a couple finals uh, from the day uh, for girls hockey. Class A, Proctor beat Laverne 8-0. Oh, Class go Proctor. A, um, and then let's see. Oh, here's game summaries. This might be what we're looking for here. 1-1 one, one right now. Mm-hmm. Where's the bracket? Just give us the bracket. <laughs> all 
right, here we go. Uh, Gentry Academy of River Lakes, 4-1. to one. Proctor over Laverne, 8-0 to zero have been the only two games. Oh, there we go. Uh, Warroad beat Rochester Lords, 10-0. And I think those are the three games, so I'm guessing they have a fourth <laughs> one um, tonight. But that's going on as well, so I just want to acknowledge that. And then one more piece of a non- uh, Minnesota Wild uh, stuff before we get into that. The Minnesota Whitecaps are uh, back in action um, as we speak on the Isabel Cup uh, playoffs. Last I saw, it was 2-0. to zero. They were up um, looking to see if that's changed. It might be 3-4-5? I think it might be 5 nothing. but I think the Whitecaps are winning too, so... Uh, yes. They're in pursuit of the Isabel Cup as well. So good luck to the Whitecaps. We do. I uh, I apologize. We probably could do a little more for the women's game uh, on this podcast. So I want to give some shout outs there. Uh, if if you're a follower of women's hockey, shoot us a DM. We'd love you to have on the show. Talk some women's puck as well. So uh, anything else to add on non Minnesota Wild hockey here, guys? Uh, before we move on to talking about the Wild. Oh, I, I think I'm good with that. That was that was pretty good. We probably touch on it more once the state tournaments rolling. Another tip of the cap to the Whitecaps, though. Uh, their jerseys are leagues better than anything that the Wild have ever released. Their white Needs jerseys are like one of the best white jerseys. Their ever. white jersey is incredible. Why do the Wild <laughs> not have the green tree line at the bottom of their jerseys and then do the same type of thing as uh, what the Michigan jerseys were this year with the cream? Take that wheat that mm-hmm. they use for their stripe and their numbers, make that the base color. Yeah, I've, I've been begging for a Wild jersey with tree line striping and a beige jersey for years. I think they do. Oh, man. All right, Brett, my wife's a graphic designer. You come down to the cities, we'll have some beers, and we'll just uh, we'll <laughs> throw ideas at her, and she'll make a Frankenstein jersey. Perfect. All right, so let's get into the wild here. Uh, we'll start. Um, so uh, the last time we were in the podcast, the wild had just gotten smacked by the Avs for the first time. Uh, since then, they were smacked by the Avs a second time. And then uh, somehow, despite playing three, in my mind, just shit games against uh, Anaheim and St. Louis, they won three in a row uh, thanks to uh, Cam Talbot uh, for the most part and uh, some some uh, some lucky goals for the Wild. But, hey, win- wins are wins. And when you've played 10 games in 18 days, uh, I think as Dean Evison touched on, you know, it's not always how you dry it up, but you still got to grind them out, take the win. Uh, and now they get a three-day break. Uh, Zeke, we'll go to you first here. Just what do you make kind of of this last stretch of four games for the Wild? Um, and because kind of what they've done and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if you're worried about the way things are trending or, or if you're just, just kind of moving on. Yeah, well, I just think uh, it's kind of first thing that I thought about uh, when watching the last two games that it seems like these are games that uh, in years past that the Wild would have lost, uh, mainly in part because of their goaltending. Because you can just see a lot of these games that are one goal games that, you know, that St. Louis game yesterday, tie going to third. Uh, you know, I don't think... I mean, again, it's nothing personal against them, but I don't think with Devin Dubnik and Nett any of those games that, you know, they would have won any of those games or a guy like that, you know. They're getting the saves. Uh, obviously, last night, uh, Talbot was really good, uh, made all 37 saves. Uh, great for our fantasy team, too. Uh, shout out there. But, uh, no, uh, overall, I'm honestly just moving on. Uh, you know, you don't want to use the excuse, you know, being tired too much because, you know, obviously every team is dealing with that. But you can just tell that I don't think uh, what we saw – of the wild before those Colorado games. I don't think that could just, just be gone. Like I think they, you know, obviously like we've said many times, they just look tired, sloppy and, you know, maybe their confidence was a little bit hit after those two games. And uh, just hopefully that I'm just honestly just hoping, looking forward to the Monday night game in San Jose. Hopefully they just come out hard uh, ready against another team. That's kind of blow them in the standings. 
Good thing, Hoppy. What about you? Any uh, any takeaways from the last four wild games? Yeah, and it's actually interesting. So uh, a guy that's actually going to be more of a regular with us coming on every week or two, uh, Josh Letty. He's actually the owner of Back Channel Brewing out in Mound. And like, admittedly, he knows more about beer or hockey than Isher or myself. Um, he was actually a pretty legit prospect. His nephew is Nick Letty. I don't know if you've heard of him. Okay. Um, but he was talking <laughs> to us on a recent episode and said that, uh, you know, you look at a team like Anaheim and you've got a big tilt coming up with the Blues who they haven't seen yet. And I think we can all mm-hmm. circle the standings and say, okay, by and large, we know who the top four teams are. It's pretty easy to look past the Anaheim Ducks and just play a shit couple of games. And again, mm-hmm. you come out with the win. It's great. But I just think it's it's easy to overlook those types of games, especially in a condensed season like this. Like they, I feel like they were schedule hopping to St. Louis, which, by the way, didn't help because they looked like garbage <laughs> for that one too. But wins are wins. Justin, anything to add? I mean, not a whole lot. I missed the second Colorado game because I was at work. I you know, didn't I didn't miss, miss much, really. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the score and I was like, well, shit, I'm just not going to pay attention to the score now. Um, no, I saw the two Anaheim games, the St. Louis game, and, yeah, they did look like horse crap. And you don't want to use the excuse that they're tired, like Zeke said, but they are human, too. All these guys are human. They're all mm-hmm. going through it. So they are going to be tired at times, especially when you play as much as they have. And, you know, they – they battled through it and they were ugly ass wins but an ugly ass win is two points just as much as a beautiful win so Mm -hmm. yeah exactly i think i echo most of what you guys said too um i believe the first game against anaheim then also against st louis the wild were playing those teams after they were coming off a stretch of rest so Mm -hmm. already disadvantaged there too and already having tired so i'm chalk up maybe a little bit to that kind of the one more like alarming take i guess was just and I don't know if it's just that maybe Zuccarello and Rask are, are gas, but that the lettuce line, as we've dubbed it, was mm. not great for that three-game stretch. They were getting – their expected goals was, like, I think twice, like, below 20%. Um, again, last night, I think, was down around, like, 30%. They've been getting out chance pretty bad. Um, granted, Kaprizov did get a sweet uh, goal sweet. last night. Um, did, did have a stretch there. The two games against Colorado and the first game against Anaheim – had his longest drought of the season of three games without a point. Um, and I know, I don't think anything will happen, but I just really think it's time to get Victor Rask away from that line because as mm-hmm. okay as he's been between them two, I, I just think when we saw it against a higher caliber team like Colorado and then, you know, when you're playing even tired, that just, if there's just not a guy that can be ready for passes and shoot pucks and, and be ready to go. It just, it, it brings that whole line down and they spend the shift chasing the puck instead of having it in their own zone. I literally think you could put Bugstead, Sturm, Jewel Erickson, mm-hmm. whoever there, and I think they could do better than Rask. No offense to him. He's an NHL player. I'll give him that, but I just don't think he's cut out to be yeah. playing with the, 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 the two skill guys um, there. I, I just think it's time to split that the, mm-hmm. hit him away from that line. Right. Yeah, he has – I mean, that whole line hasn't been good, like you said, but something else I've noticed about Rask, I feel like, Casper's been sticking his leg out and tripping him lately. Like, I feel like he just falls for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, trips on the blue line or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right about Because I remember, uh, I think in the Anaheim game, he, I tweeted it. I quote tweeted my uh, first tweet like three times. Oh, there he goes again. But yeah, I think it's just obviously everyone knows he's not a great skater. And I mean, you know, he, I, like Brett said, he's fine. He's a, he's a, he's a player. You know, he can play in the lineup. But, uh, 
I do wonder if, because, uh, you know, I, they seem pretty happy with Hartman on the third line as a center, and they, you know, seem to like having Eck with Greenway in that line. So I wonder if uh, they potentially, uh, this is where the Johansson experiment at center happens. Like, I don't know if that's the right thing or the good thing, but I wonder if that's something they try. I don't think they will. Um, If you kind of read into, hmm. I think it was Russo's Gamer the other night, uh, Everson mm-hmm. liked the way that him and Fiala were working together. Finally. That's true, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. Kevin yeah. Fiala, he's been under fire by the coaches for turnovers and stuff, but I'm an analytics guy. I look at the underlying numbers and, you know, pretty much everything besides secondary, like assists for the most part for Fiala, which he's not a playmaker, his underlying numbers actually look fine. He, like, leads the team in Corsi, mm-hmm. his expected goals over 50%. He's, I think, improved pretty good in the defensive zone. Um, I don't track turnovers. Maybe it's something I should look into. But, um, I mean, those turnovers from what the data shows aren't really leading to necessarily dangerous chances, per se, or to goals. But I understand where that can be frustrating as a coach when a guy is routinely turning pucks over. But do you watch Victor Rask, and why isn't he getting the same <laughs> punishment? Because he turns pucks over just as much as Fiala, if not more. But So I don't know if they'll split that up. I mean, you could be right, though. I mean, they might just try something different. Who knows? I just feel like Fiala's just kind of lost right mm-hmm. now um, in terms of just they don't – I don't know why they don't. I thought when they had the uh, the Grease Squad uh, 2.0 with uh, Fiala instead of Felino on that wing, they looked great. But for whatever reason, we haven't gone back to that. Um, and so we put him with, we put Joseph Cramarosa on that line, which get him out of the lineup. He's ter- he's terrible. I'm sorry, he's awful. Um, not to tangent nice. too much. Um, Zeke, you brought up Ryan Hartman. He's another guy I just wanted to vent about a little bit. Uh, this guy, he thinks he's Kirill Kaprizov, I think, because there's been like seven or eight instances. Um, in the past, like, five games where he's tried to make a stupid pass um, through the legs and over sticks when he's had just a clear chance to shoot. He hasn't been good on face-offs. Uh, for me, the experiment of him at center was fun for, like, three games when he played well, but I'm over it. I think he needs to be stuck back on the right wing on the fourth line and move up. Uh, I think we need to put Bukestad back up and, and get him more ice time because I think he's honestly been one of the Wild's best players these last five or so games. needs to be getting more than 12 minutes of ice time a night. I'm with you for half of that. I (laughs) think we need to move Hartman back to wing, but I think that's also going to have him playing a completely different game, and I like him in that third-line role. But, I mean, at this point, I'm fine with any kind of shuffling we need. On the Mm. Rask point, and this is just totally devil's advocate because I agree he doesn't help that line at all, tell me where you can put him and he'll have any level level of, like, looking (laughs) like he plays hockey, right? Right. at least he's seen some success there, and yeah. that's not a reason to sabotage your top line. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's either that or taxi squad. Like, I don't know what else you can do with the guy. I think you could stick him on the wing or in the fourth line, but 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 I get like th- that fourth line, especially as of late with Bugstead, Stern, Benino, they've been fantastic defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. especially the two games against Anaheim, I, they're like they had one game where their expected goals was like 0.04. Like they basically just didn't even have the puck in the defensive zone yeah. hardly. So, it's, yeah. and then, you know, as Poppy just said, does it really make sense just to stick them on the third line for the sake of sticking them on the third line? So I, I see it from that point. It's just the never-ending frustration with Victor Rask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll is, is toot your horn on this one, Brett, because I'm totally with you on one of the takes <laughs> you had on Twitter. I think you wait through the year and you go and get a guy like Deneau. And it's guess what? Game. You don't need an elite number one center. Like, I don't even think Rossi no. needs to be the one C. I think Deneau can be your one C. And it's the exact same parallel that we've got with Talbot right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. Talbot is not a game changer. He is not. 
But guess what? He does exactly what we need to for the structure of play that we have. And the difference from him to worst goalie in the league makes all the difference in the world. Guess what? The difference from Rask to Deneau <laughs> playing on that first line, it's yeah. going to look like he's an elite first line center. <laughs> and then you got Rossi in a safe, comfortable spot where he can play with Fiala. Great. Now Fiala doesn't have to turn the puck over because he actually has someone to work with. And I, I think that gives you a way better outlook moving forward rather than saying, let's jam Rossi as the 1C. We'll find someone to play 2C. Maybe we'll make Eck play the 2C, which I think he can. I'm not at all one of the people that says that he like doesn't have the talent to. I just think he's so much better suited the way he plays to be your third-line center. Agreed. He crushes that mm-hmm. role. Yeah, no, I just I think you 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 and Brett just brought up a good point in that uh, you know it's just they have what they have this year and uh, you know like we said as frustrating as it is to watch sometimes because uh, you, you go like Brett was talking about with Fiala how good he's playing if he just had because I think he's a little bit different in Kaprizov that I don't think uh, Fiala necessarily at least from what on my eyes are seeing can uh, create completely on his own and drive his own he obviously I think he just needs some more talent around him like you mentioned and uh, you know if they can just get the some, I mean, you know, like you next year, like you guys saying, yeah, just like they did yesterday uh, with yep. Johansson, as you said. But uh, no, they just uh, it, it'll give. I mean, if they go back with the same uh, group of centers next year, then I think we might have a problem. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's it is what it is. But they, you know, they they're working with it so far. I mean, they're twenty one ten and one. So, which yeah. I honestly didn't think they would be when I looked at that group before the year. So. Right. I always say this. This is technically year one of our transition. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the way they're playing with some of these guys, like Sturm looks like he's going to be a good, you know, bottom bottom uh, line role player. And some of these other guys that will be coming in next year. I mean, maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule what we thought in the rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call it. I mean, 21-10-1, granted, we're playing some of the same teams. A lot of the teams are pretty crap, but. You know, maybe we're ahead of schedule of what we thought we would be. Yeah, and I mean, I mean too, I think it, it'd be easy to kind of, you know, think of these last five games like, well, we played five bad games, we lost twice to the Avs, but if you go back, I think, what is it, the last, uh, was, it, was it a seven-game winning streak to Wild Ram when they played the Avs? Or something? Mm, like, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they've won like 10 of their last 12, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like, they're yeah. Talbot's won seven straight. Right. Kakinen has won nine of his last ten, I think. So that's thir- thirteen of their last sixteen games they've won. So mm-hmm. that's well, why I think we... too, I, there's a lot of like there's someone messaging me on on uh, Twitter today, like, oh, would, you know, would you trade for Luke Glendening for Detroit because he can win faceoffs? And I'm like, <laughs> they've won everything. Thir- Give him all the picks. <laughs> and he's like, well, like he's better than Rask, but maybe. But like, I don't want to trade someone just to come in and win faceoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people are getting way too overzealous about faceoffs. They've won thirteen last sixteen, winning like forty percent of their draws. Could winning draws maybe help a little bit? Yeah, but I th- the, the way as good as the mm-hmm. wild defense is, they're not getting killed by losing faceoffs. At least I don't think of it that way. But just something I want to bring up is I calm down about faceoffs. I think I think FSN yeah. North is doing a little. They're uh, they're pumping that a little bit to uh, with the faceoff mm-hmm. concern. But I'm not as concerned I mean, as others might be about that. Valley Sports North, not yet. Soon. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think that people try and draw the parallel because I do think that down the middle is the most important thing for a team but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean winning face-offs right it's like nice yeah, yeah if, you're, sure. if you're losing every face-off you've got a problem but 
at the end of the day, the face-off is not the be-all, end-all. Mm. Um, I actually had a question for you guys, and I know it's probably not going to go in my favor, but you guys being the prospect followers, we talked about fraud field earlier, right? <laughs> let's let's go back to that draft. Like, if you could do it over today, knowing what you know now, I know you guys are big Boldy fans, but would you take Caulfield instead of Boldy? I would take New Hook, honestly. Yeah, that's that's okay. the guy I would that's, go to. That's not okay. That's not fair. That's, <laughs> that's not what I asked. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, that wasn't the question. <laughs> that's a, that is the correct answer to the wrong question. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, it's tight for me, um, mm-hmm. in, in hindsight, because I think I. Th- want to say in my rank as I'd have to look back I think I might have still had Boldy like one slot higher and I know he was as mm. high as like five on other people's boards for me comparing players head to head is so hard unless like the same type of player like I'm fine with mm. the comparison of Alex Ovechkin to Patrick Lanning they're snipers mm. that's their game but I have a really tough time when people say well who's the best player in the world okay at what like Jonas Brodin is probably mm. the best skating two way defenseman in hockey Connor McDavid is the fastest, most prolific offensive player in the league. You know, each player's it's like it's like who's the it'd be like saying who's the best player in football? Well, who's the best quarterback? It's you, mm-hmm. you can't say Tom Brady's the best because there's a wider he's, he can't catch a football, he can't block. It's just Correct. so hard for me to compare. And I think Boldy and Caulfield are two very different players. Boldy's kind of more of your prototypical power forward. Where Caulfield's a sniper at the time that the draft happened, I think the Wild definitely could have used a goal scorer, mm-hmm. and you start to wonder what what a guy like Cole Caulfield looked like catching passes from Kaprizov, because that sounds uh, yep. terrifying. Um, so <laughs> maybe you look at it in that sense, but we didn't know that you know Kaprizov was this good of a passer. Um, Dmitry Filipovich of the PDO cast, um, elite prospects uh, writer, um, on his podcast this week, uh, went as far to call Kaprizov a generational playmaker. Um, and generational is not a word that's thrown around lightly, and I'm I don't have a problem with it, like not to be Homer, but I mean, we've seen no, him. No, say, make... say, say it next fall. <laughs> say it after we have yeah. negotiations. Don't do that shit. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm with you. Like largely, I get that they're totally different players, but that's kind of where my like argument came from. And hands up, I'll admit, like Brett, you were on the show with us when we drafted Rossi and you saw how excited I was. Take the opposite of that. And that's what happened when we drafted Boldy. Now he's developed mm-hmm. and I'm very happy with him as a player now, but I, I was so happy. I was salivating that they were going to take Caulfield. And I still think whether it was then or today, what do the wild need? They need a goal scorer. Fiala is very close to what they want in that, but you get a guy like Caulfield and you're just not going to find that kind of scoring elsewhere. Uh, But again, I'm not at all upset that Boldy will be joining the team either later this year, you know, worst case play one more season with BC. I'm still going to reserve my judgment and wait till I see them both play because I know it's a big jump. And, you know, me as someone who's 5'6 doesn't like picking on people because of their size. (laughs) They don't? (laughs) But Caulfield is small, and that can create Mm -hmm. problems in the NHL when it comes to getting space for yourself, getting to shooting lanes, because Caulfield has a great shot, but I want to see if he's able to get to those same areas he was able to get to at, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in high school and in in college at the World Juniors where it's, you know, players are a little bit more underdeveloped. We'll see. I think he will. I think he'll probably be a 30-40 goal scorer in the NHL. Probably will. I don't have a doubt in that. But um, system-wise, though, too, I think Boldy really fits the wild system in terms of just the hard mm-hmm. forechecking, you know, good skill. He's not going to probably, you know, be a ridiculous point getter, but he's going to be a guy that can drive a line. I, I think he's going to be like a like a 
20 times better version of what we've seen out of Jordan Greenway this year. That's kind of like where I'm mm. seeing him. And what I'm really excited to see Boldy is if we um, – he was so fun to watch on Team USA's power play in the World Juniors. On yeah, that kind of that, that, that oh, bumper yeah. position where, like, that really seems to be a spot the Wild haven't really found a guy that fits yet. They keep putting Caprice mm-hmm. out there. Which is <laughs> they don't have stupid. people oh, for most of the spots on the power play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they keep on rolling out Suter yeah. or shit. Sometimes two defensemen. What? No. <laughs> Not on this team. No. <laughs> That's what I'm really excited to see is how he fits into the power play because I think he could be, mm-hmm. I think he could really spark it with the work he can do down behind the net and in tight. But we're running close yeah. on time here. So, um, I don't think I had too much more. Anything else wild related? Um, any of you three wanted to hit on here before we move into uh, to a fun little game? No, nope. I think we got it. All right. For those that tuned in last week, um, you were here for our first rendition of which wild player uh, am I? Uh, <laughs> for those that are new here, here's how it works. There are five clues um, that will uh, hint at a player from the wild's history can go far back as year one um, up till current. Um, the clues start off very vague and get more specific. Um, our contestants are the three people uh, on the show with me today. You get two guesses per round, um, no more, no. So if you get one wrong once, you can can still guess again just because okay. it can be a little bit trickier. These ones mm-hmm. today I think are a lot harder. So if any, <laughs> like a lot of them might take the last clue. The last clues I made it really obvious for the most part, but um, mm-hmm. if you can get it before, I'll be impressed. But um, Gentlemen, any questions or reminders in the rules? All you got to do is make a noise, say beep, buzz, whatever, to, to buzz in. Oh, I'm Just a reminder, I got noises. All right. <laughs> All right, so we'll start here uh, with our first player. He was selected second overall in the 2003 QMJHL draft, one spot mm. behind Sidney Crosby. Damn. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to go that, yet. That's a, that, that sounded like a noise. I don't know. It was. <laughs> Maybe I'll just guess. I'll just guess. No. James yeah. Shepard. Nope. Damn it. All right. Clue number two. He won a World Junior Gold with Team Canada in two thousand and five. Clue number three. He led the two thousand nine two thousand ten Wild with twenty five goals in fifty five games. Oh, ding. Hoppy, was that a noise? It was. (laughs) All right, you had the first noise there. Going to go Pierre-Marc Bouchard? It is not Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Zeke, you buzzed in second. Uh, Guillaume Latendresse. It is Guillaume Latendresse. Like, man, I suck at this game. (laughs) Last week, I got one right, and I'm (laughs) probably going to go over on this. (laughs) So it was Guillaume Latendresse. The fact that he led the Wild with 25 goals in 09. Yeah, holy crap. I think that was one of the Wild's worst years. But Were were you going to get to the trade at some point? Yeah, so here were the next two clues. Uh, Clue number four was he was acquired in a trade with the Montreal Canadiens for Benoit Pouliot. Yeah, that would have been immediate. (laughs) Uh, That, yep. And then, Good thing uh, you chimed in, Zeke. I would have had that. And then clue number I've five. I've gotten in fights with people over that one. And then clue number five was he has one of the most fun names in Minnesota Wild history. Accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> clue number two. Or player number two, clue number one. This player is a former second round pick. Oh, yes. Very vague. Really narrowed it down. <laughs> he played in the NHL from 2006 to or from 2000 to 2006 with the Wild from 2003 to 2007. His number is between 30 and 35. He 
He is from Charlesbourg, Quebec. And final clue, his name closely resembles that of the only player to ever wear number 96 for the Wild. Oh, dang. Eric Schwenard? I'm going to give it to you. It's Mark Schwenard. Mark Schwenard. Damn it. But I, I knew it was... I'm, I'm going to give it to you. He was closer than I was. I'm so. going to give it to you. <laughs> it was Mark Schwenard. I couldn't remember the first name, but the last name. I was like, Schwenard, Schwenard. I'll just throw a name out there. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So we got one for Zeke, one for Justin. That one, the clues were very vague. No there was really hard to find any like, yeah, interesting that, I, information. Yeah, I didn't know that him. one at all. So. Nope. <laughs> um, the reason I picked him, I'll show you guys. Um, I don't know if you can see behind me here, but um, I have like these autographs behind me. Oh, okay. And the one right See? there is Mark Schwenard. <laughs> I have a Mark Schwenard <laughs> autograph, so that's why I picked him and why I even remembered his name in the slightest. Wait, who was, who was the knight? Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> here we go with our next one. He, Clue number one. He is 23rd all-time in goals scored in Wild history with 48. Number two, he's a native of Latvia, which at the time was a part of the Soviet Union. Clue number three, he played for the Senators, Canadians, Oilers, Wild, and Predators. He was with the Wild from 2001 to 2004. Oh, there's a lot of teams. <laughs> it is a lot of teams. <laughs> Clue number four. He was acquired by the Wild in 2001 from the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for future considerations. He was eventually then moved to the Predators in 2004, along with Brad Bombardier in exchange for a third and fourth round pick that became Clayton Stoner and Patrick Borderlow. <sighs> I, I don't know if this is it. Merrick Zidlicki? Nope. Zidlicki? Not no. Zidlicki. And the final clue, this one probably will give it away. Um, he passed away in the arms of Darby Hendrickson from cardiac arrhythmia on November 3rd, 2004 during a game in the Latvian Higher Bing. Hockey League during the 04 lockout. Justin? Sergei Zoltak? It is Sergei Zoltak. One of, I believe my parents and I talked about this at dinner, one of the three wild alumni um, who has passed away along with Bugard and um, Pavel Dimitra. Vaki, if he had said like half of the teams that he did, I was going to say Zidlitschke too, but like <laughs> I like went back and I'm like, wait, Oilers, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it did, but I just. I, no, but I was, yeah. I was on the same wavelength as you, is all I'm saying. All right. This one, if you guys get before clue number five, I'm going to be shocked. Um, all right. So clue number one. Uh, Justin has two making his uh, revenge this week. Zeke Double won. up from last week. Uh, nothing yet for Hoppy. Here we go. Clue number one. He played his college hockey at Clarkson University. I want to say it, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can wait till clue two. It's fine. Clue number two. He had a 13-year NHL career with the Blackhawks, Flyers, Senators, Wild, and Atlanta Thrashers. He played for the Wild from 2005 to 2007. Clue number three, he was fourth on the wild in scoring um, in 2005, 2006. 
to the number four. He was one of 10 players to wear the number 28. And clue number Bang. Justin? Eric Belanger. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. All right, and this one <laughs> might give it away. Clue number five, his last name is a color. Oof. Todd White? Yep, it is Todd White. Hey, nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, never have gotten that idea. without the color clue. Like, and I still had to go through my brain. I'm like, yeah, he's blue, one of those players. Green, the red. Like, no interesting ones. All right, and number five. Last one. Uh, Justin can win the game here with the correct answer. Um, otherwise, if uh, Zeke or Hoppy gets it, I'll have to maybe try to pull one out of my ass for a tiebreaker. All right, number five. <clears throat> this player was a ninth overall pick. It's not Marco Rossi. <laughs> number two he played in the nhl for 12 years for the anaheim mighty ducks wild blues capitals and sharks he played for the wild for three of those years from 2004 from 2001 to 2004 he was acquired by the wild in a trade with the sharks the wild gave up a 2004 fifth round pick Boom, ding. Justin? <laughs> I think this is wrong, actually, but I'm going to say it. Devin Setaguchi. It's not Devin Setaguchi. I thought of Sharks. That's why I said <laughs> that. <laughs> like 10 years later, I think that was a trade. Yeah, it might yeah, be. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, clue number four. One of 11 wild players to don sweater number 23. And clue number five, the dead giveaway. He shares a last name with me. So all you gotta do is get the first name. Freaking can't think of a first name. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. He shares a first name with probably the most famous wild player to wear number sixteen. Jason Marshall. Jason Marshall, there it is. I mean, I made a noise. In fairness, <laughs> it was pretty close. That was that was kind of a. The only reason I remember Jason Marshall for any reason is because he has the same last name as me. So, a little bit I harder. I gotta find a sweet spot. I think the Laton dress one was good. Joltak was pretty good. I gotta find more fun facts in that vein. I think we'll we'll get there. We'll make improvements. I'm currently just using like Elite Prospects and Wikipedia. So maybe we need to expand my horizons for research a little bit <laughs> and then we have kind of a modified uh amateur and pro of the week this week um <clears throat> we have a unanimous amateur of the week uh justin talked about him on the hop of the show i'll let you uh say who it is since you were the first one to kind of bring him up in the chat third 2020 third round pick taking 65th overall uh damon hunt of the moose jaw warriors again we had he had a three-point game on saturday He's got six points in seven games and seems to be doing pretty well, especially on the power play for Moostra. Yeah, ripping ripping bombs from the <laughs> right dot, basically, on a one-timer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Damon Hunt looks promising. I think he was kind of like – he might have been a guy I think that was a little bit lower in Scott's rankings, and I'm not sure you know what yeah. six games changes things. But just mm-hmm. good to see those young guys produce 
Um, he is captain of that team as well, which is always good right. too. So, and then uh, pros yeah. of the week. Uh, I'll go first. I'm very original. I'm taking the same player that I took last week um, because he was great <laughs> again this week, and that was Cam Talbot of the Wild, who had a shutout um, <clears throat> last night, and then uh, two back-to-back wins prior to that as well. Or was it one? Uh, oh, two. He won both games against the Ducks. Um, after getting mm-hmm. shellacked by 55 shots from Colorado last Friday. So, yeah, uh, Cam Talbot, two weeks in a row because he's just playing great right now. Respect. Because I, mm-hmm. I honestly didn't really look at anyone else. So, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we'll go to you next, uh, your pro of the week, if you have one. Oh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Jared Spurgeon, who had, uh, you know, obviously we got his first goal, but had the two-goal performance against the Ducks. So two nice uh, redirections of Ryan Suter's shots. Uh, you know, had a, had a, obviously had a slow start uh, offensively, but uh, uh, just good to see him start to get on the board and uh, start to produce a little more offense like we know he can. He has some of the best hand-eye coordination in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Think... that goal against New Jersey a couple years ago? That yeah, was like out of midair. Yeah, that was baseball goal. Like, knocked mm-hmm. it down with his glove and then, like, baseball yeah. swing. And, like, I can recall, like, three times this year, two-on-ones, he's, like, knocked down, like, saucer passes mm-hmm. and stuff. Very yeah. underrated oh, yeah. skill. And then, Justin, I know you got really original with uh, your pro of the week again. Yeah, I used him last week, but he had another good week, or maybe two weeks ago, whenever. But I'm going with Jake Gensel, played at Hail Murray. Uh, he's got five points in his last four games, two goals, three assists. He's put up 32 points in 34 games on the season, uh, 14 of them goals. So, you know, he continues to have a good season for Pittsburgh. Yep, unfortunately, propelling them and further into the playoffs. Um, Philadelphia is yeah. not helping anyone's case. They've now Philadelphia s- sucks. They've surrendered Yikes. 17 goals in two games to the Rangers, I think, in the last like week and a half. And I think on yeah. those like 12 points to make his advantage yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had like 18 point performances in fantasy for someone in our league. I looked like it's ridiculous. Twice <laughs> against Flyers. Ridiculous. Remember yeah. when we picked Carter, Carter Hart, Hart for Vesna? Rip. Is, yeah. is, 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 okay, yeah. thank you. Is everyone with me now that Carter Hart is not the next Messiah in goal? Like he's a yeah, solid totally. goaltending prospect, but everyone came into this year saying that he was incredible. I'm like, I don't see it. I mean, to be fair, he was really good last year. Um, I'm going to attribute some of it. I think the Flyers miss Matt Niskan on the blue line more than I think people gave them credit for. Um, their blue line mm-hmm. hasn't been great. Gossis Bear has been, I think Provorov's had yeah, a down year. Right. Their blue line just hasn't been as good. Um, it's not something familiar with in Minnesota, like having a bad blue line, how that affects goaltending. We're used to having a good blue line and bad goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say what I've said before is goaltenders are really random and that their growth, even yeah. if they have one good year, can be very sporadic. I think Hart's still 22 years old. Um, and I think mo- I've said this before. I'm still in the boat that most goalies don't at their prime till 25, 26. Uh, if they hit it before, that's a bonus. S- sticking behind that still. Um, I mean, you look at like, oh, you know, there's these really good rookie goaltenders this year in Kakinen mm-hmm. and Lankinen. They're both 25. They're three years older than even yeah, Hart right. is. So I'm not out on Hart yet. Um, if, if I'm it, not out on him either, man. And I, I, that's yeah. you just like made my summation for me. He has like three or four more years yep. before he is the goalie that everyone thinks he is. And that's more my thing. I, trust me, I am not thrilled that he is on Philadelphia. Like that, <laughs> that does not make me happy. This year, sure, it's it's kind of entertaining, but like, Long term, he is a good goaltender. Mm-hmm. I just thought that he was being christened way too early. Yeah, which is probably fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, they at least didn't give him or haven't given him a Matt Murray type contract yet. Or so. a Jordan Bennington type money. Six by six. Woof. 
I yeah. can't wait for that to bite St. Louis oh. in the ass. <laughs> well, to be fair, Bennington fights everyone now, so maybe he'll have that one thing. I mean, he had the one game against the Sharks. He was like fake punching people, and then yeah. I think it was against Vegas a couple nights ago. He like fake swung a stick at some guy in the corner. Like, dude, chill out. Yeah. Relax. Weird. And then got absolutely yep. burned by a Kaprizov snipe last night. So, Whew. I'm sorry, I gotta that, say this that too. Get you. Yeah. I gotta say this. He's got a little bit of a punchable face too, but that's all. I'm <laughs> There's a lot of people that do, though. In fairness, like one of my favorite goalies. I mean, I guess not favorite, but a guy that I pull for, Ryan Miller. Mm. In high school, oh, yeah. we came up with like what we Ryan referred Miller. to as the shovel scale, right? Like <laughs> on the scale of zero to Ryan Miller, how many times does it look like this person got hit in the face? The shovel. God. <laughs> Tell me it's wrong. Google it right now. The no, guy. The guy just has a fair. shovelable face. I don't. I don't know oh, how I to put it. <laughs> it's it's there it exists but so justin based on you picking gensel the, are you guys rules for pro of the week that they just have to have some kind of minnesota tie or how's that work yep yeah they can play for the wild or they can be i mean uh from minnesota basically and then the amateur is a little more widespread but well i'm, uh, I'm gonna cheat a little bit then because yeah, guess what someone. the the colorado avalanche lost to the arizona coyotes because phil kessel one year of minnesota ties put the team on his back <laughs> he looked like my favorite chubby little superstar. Oh my goodness, he was great. We're not going to talk about the shots on goal in that game, though. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about that. And to, to bring up, too, I was going to bring this up. We were talking about getting trounced by the Avs. Um, prior to the Wild playing the Avs, um, they outshot Arizona twice, like 48 to 18, and then they just crushed <laughs> Vegas last night, like 5 to 1, outshot them, like 35 to 20. So. The Avs are just on a bender right now, and they're playing like the team I think everyone thought they were. They're healthy again. And, like, mm-hmm. the scary part is, Bingo. is, like, um, we talked about PDO a couple weeks ago. I think, Zeke, when it was just you and I that did the show, yeah. and basically, like, PDO, it's the combination of your shooting percentage and save percentage around the ice. The Avs had, a like, a low PDO that suggests they weren't scoring as much as they should be, and I think mm-hmm. that's still actually catching up, which is terrifying, um, <laughs> which means, I mean, it'll climb up and it'll level off again, but, like... The Avs are terrifying, and yeah. if they stay healthy and if Tampa gets Kucherov back for the playoffs, if we could be blessed with a Colorado-Tampa Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. that would be just a treat for every hockey fan. I don't care if you hate both teams. It'll be some of the best hockey we'll get to watch in yep. rememberable past. If we're going to be really selfish, Brett, I think you'll agree with me on this too because I know you follow the team pretty heavily. If we can get any decent quality goaltender traded to Carolina before the trade deadline, I would accept them against Colorado for a championship too. Yeah, but surprisingly, like, Alex Nedeljkovic is like... He's okay. A, I just don't trust him. He's on a bender right now too, but it's almost like Kakinen and like, and the rookies just come in and like... But I think he might be leading the NHL in save percentage now. Um, Mrazek was like... He only played like... I think it was like four or five games, but in, like in those games, I think he had like two shutouts, like a 950 save percentage. Like, he was playing great. Then he broke his thumb, so it wasn't like a major injury, but um, they haven't rushed him back either, um, which is frustrating because he's been sitting on my fantasy hockey bench for like <laughs> three months. I don't want to drop him. And then now, like, Sarah Sivian's like, well, now they might keep Nadelkovich. And then I'm like, well, great. So now I have to decide between Reimer and so, and there's no goalies in free agency. So it's like, well, all right. Well, we're pretty over time this week, but that's fine. Uh, three days, we're on day one of three days off for the Wild. Uh, we will be back, I believe, on Thursday next week because I do believe the Wild have that day mm-hmm. off. Um, oh, wait, I think they 
play do they play Vegas? Might be a late or game. Or no. I think it might be a late yeah, game. Yeah, it's like 9.30, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be back next Thursday uh, recording prior to puck drop. So just two games in our next show, so we'll make it to be uh, – creative with topics but maybe that'll make up we're going to combine our, our hours from this week and next week to make a two-hour show total that's how it works so we get here um sharks twice before we talk to you next before we sign off get everyone a chance to plug and tell them where you can find them hoppy we'll go to you first anything you want to plug and uh remind our listeners out where they can find you yeah you can find us at the soda pod and you can find myself at state of hoppy and just a shout out to anyone that has any kind of grudge with Isha, every follow you give me and don't give him, <laughs> it just really gets under his skin. Um, but no, right now, uh, every Sunday we bring on the boys from ECH, Everything College Hockey. They chat a little bit with us about the different Minnesota teams. So uh, definitely tune in, especially, I mean, I guess we got two more weeks of that now. But uh, hey, Best two weeks for it, though. Hey, great two mm-hmm. weeks for it. And just by and large, if you want to hear, I mean, we don't, proclaim to be experts we just try and come up with different topics than everyone else talks about and if you like beer at all we usually try and find some good beer guests yeah soda pods awesome if you guys don't listen to that mm-hmm. what are you doing um yes. they've been kind enough to have us on there as well fun show great takes on beer funny takes on hockey that you will not get sick of the isha hoppy bickering uh, throughout the show either it's it's great i it's, haven't gotten it's sick great of it. anti-chemistry <laughs> so. Uh, Justin, where can we find you and uh, all your work here as we get into a busy prospect season? You can find me at DE's 2004. You can find me at C at the CapriceF Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects at Wild Prospects and Young Players. And, you know, of course, we're full swing of the playoffs there. So keep an eye on there if you want to keep up with our prospects and how they're doing there. And Zeke, what about you? Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at ZBWildNation underscore HW, and you can also find uh, all my written work, as usual, at HockeyWilderness.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the podcast account on both Twitter and Instagram at SoundTheFoghorn, all one word. Um, coming up from us this week, we'll have more uh, NCA coverage on the Twitter page, probably some more wild memes throughout the games, what we do best. Uh, rooting for all the Minnesota teams and BC Wild and all the Wild prospects to do well. Good luck to everyone that's participating in the state high school hockey tournament. Uh, we will be doing a bracket challenge for that as well. Uh, we'll probably get that out by uh, Sunday or Monday, so keep an eye out for that. But uh, that'll do it for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Sound the Popcorn.